welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today, we are continuing with a review of the key principles of effective Bible study based on a booklet of the same name, which is available from our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com. This podcast series is centered upon the following Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what's the goal of this series of studies? To help you obtain greater value from your Bible study and devotional sessions. These episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes each and focus on key principles that God teaches us through his word. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other, less known principles that the scriptures teach us besides these, and our goal is to help you to know and understand them. They will help you to see God's word in a more expansive way and help you to become just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. Today's study is entitled, Israel is not just about Jacob's physical descendants. Israel is not just about Jacob's physical descendants. This is a touchy one. Before we begin our study together, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love to us. We ask you to give us wisdom and understanding as we dig into this. Free our mind of prejudice, free our mind of preconceived bias, and help us to dig into this study and rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, one of the least understood concepts in the Bible is who Israel is, and this has understandably led to significant confusion about many other doctrines. There are many places where the term Israel refers to the collection of people who descended from Jacob, and there are times when the context of the term legitimately refers to the geographic dwelling of the Israelites. But when dealing with prophecies and spiritual instruction, the term Israel refers to all those who are in Christ and are thus heirs according to the promise. There have been many times where there has been a direct overlap between those who are in Christ and the physical descendants of Jacob. But the focus is on the former rather than the latter. Many read the prophecies and promises to Israel as referring to those with the right genetics or biological connections. Yet the passages that we're about to read are quite clear that in both the Old and New Testament, Israel is simply those who have accepted Christ by faith and no one else. This means the Gentiles are simply those who have not accepted Christ by faith. All that say they are of Israel are not necessarily Israel, even though they might be Israel after the flesh. That's important. Paul brings that out. The term after the flesh, as used in Ephesians 2, clearly shows the focus there to be on genealogy. The misunderstanding 
of the spiritual nature of Israel from the very beginning of the promise to Abraham has led to more confusion than probably any other concept in the scriptures. It is the character of Israel that is in focus in the Bible, just as it is the character of Babylon. So Israel represents God's true people, sometimes overlapping with people of a specific genealogy and in a specific location. And Babylon is the people and system opposed to God and his true people, sometimes centering on the Babylonian empire of old. But Babylon extends way past that empire, and so does Israel. This is important. It is vital to understand this, because if you see the word Israel as strictly speaking through genealogy, then what happens is it clouds every prophecy you're going to see. There is no way, no way to come to a correct understanding of Revelation if you have an incorrect understanding of Israel. No way. And in fact, this is why so many people divide the Bible the way they do into Old Testament and New Testament, because they're focused on this was Israel up to here, and then it became you know, free for all for the Gentiles. And that's really not true. We pay so little attention to how much Gentile interaction Jesus had during his earthly ministry before he died. Okay, We pay so little attention to how much Gentile interaction God had in the Old Testament. Think about when Jesus makes the following statements that created so much animosity. Jesus points out that in the time of famine, in that three and a half years of Elijah with the famine, God sent Elijah to Zidon, to the headquarters of the Gentiles at that point. He did not send Elijah to a widow in Israel. In Elisha's time, God provided for Naaman, the Syrian, to be healed of his leprosy. No one in Israel is mentioned being healed of leprosy in that time. And Jesus says that no one was. Okay? In the time of Joshua, Rahab is saved and all her house. And Christ ultimately comes from that lineage. So God has always been paying attention to the Gentiles. He had Israel there for a specific purpose. His people, God collected a people because there's a work that he needs them to do and he needs them to do it collectively. But it was not strictly speaking mere biology because many of the people of Israel, read 1 Corinthians 10, with many of them, God was not pleased. They did a number of things and a bunch of people died in the wilderness and Korah, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, all of these folks went through experiences because while they had the right genealogy, they did not have the right faith. They did not have the right connection with God. Their genealogy did not save them. Okay, Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. All right? So this is Paul 
And all of these quotes we have are Paul's quotes, God's quotes through Paul. But they all indicate Israel and Judaism and Jewishness is not what you think it is. That's what he's saying. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Can't be much more clear than that. To be Abraham's seed, you have to have Abraham's faith, right? That's what makes you the seed. Having faith in Christ makes you heirs of the promises to Abraham. Being born of the right genealogy does not. Not automatically, okay? Not automatically. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made, been all made, to drink into one Spirit. Okay? Again, no division. Biologically Jews, spiritually Jews, biologically Gentiles, spiritually Jews. If you don't believe in God, you are a Gentile. That's, that's what it boils down to. If you do believe in God, you are of Israel. That's it. Heirs of the promise. You are Abraham's seed, heirs of the promise. Heirs according to the promise. That's the distinction. The distinction is not in the birth. And so a lot of energy, a lot of attention, a lot of focus is made on Israel, where it is now, and the people that are in it that as a larger body are not particularly religious one way or the other. I mean, they have religious people in Israel, certainly. They have Orthodox people in Israel. But as a nation, the days of them being, you know, holy as a nation are long gone. Jesus said so. Your house is left to you desolate. He was talking about the nation. Okay? But... When we see the term Israel, particularly in prophecy, it is not referring to the people whose lineage comes through Abraham. It is the people whose faith comes through to the God of Abraham. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 13. And watch here as Paul uses the term in the flesh or after the flesh. Watch this. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Awesome, awesome passage, right? Here Paul is emphasizing, in the past you guys were Gentiles. What is he saying to them? You're not Gentiles now. 
In the past, you guys were Gentiles in the flesh. And you're called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision who are circumcised in the flesh. At that time, because you were without Christ, because you were aliens or, or remote, removed from the commonwealth of Israel, commonwealth of Israel, right? Not biology. And strangers from the covenants of promise. What's the implication? That they are no longer aliens of the commonwealth wealth, and no longer strangers from the covenants of promise. Right? They do have hope and they have God. Now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes, or in the past, that sometime is how we would say that in modern English, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Couldn't be more plain than that. Couldn't be more plain. Last one that we're going to use, and there are many more, but this is the last one we're going to, we're going to use. Romans 9, 6, and 7. Romans is probably the best. Uh, Galatians has two of the, the, more, the most commonly used quotes, but Romans is very extensive, especially as you get up into Romans 11. But Romans 9, 6 through 8 says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Okay? Could not be made more plain. It couldn't. And God knows that this would be a problem because we're going to deal with, with that principle later, principle about repetition. You see how many times this shows up here. Okay. Paul says plainly, it's not everyone that is of Israel, air quotes, that is of Israel. And just because they're the seed of Abraham, it doesn't make them children according to the promise. But it's in Isaac shall I see be called. And, and although Abraham did make a mistake in the whole Hagar-Ishmael thing, that mistake is still instructive for us. Because notice here, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. If, if it's simply a matter of being a child of Abraham, then Ishmael should be fine because he is a child of Abraham, right? Abraham is distinctly his father, not his adopted father, his actual biological father. So how come he's not a child according to the promise, right? Because this is not about biology. This is not about biology. If it were, then Ishmael and all of the children that, that Abraham had through Keturah would also be equal to, Abra to, to Isaac. In fact, Ishmael would be ahead of Isaac because he was born first. But it was Isaac is the child of promise, the child that God gave, this, because this is a spiritual issue. The Bible is about spiritual things. Granted, we're physical entities, and so we are involved in this spiritual battle and there's a carnal side of things and there's a physical side of things and, and we, you know, material, but it's about spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's not about the physical at the end of the day. So, but we're, we're focused. Everyone is so big on Israel and Israel and, and Jerusalem and Israel. No, no, new Jerusalem, new Jerusalem. 
This is where they need to throw out the old, right? Old Jerusalem is no longer of vital prophetic importance. You know what old Israel is now? A distraction. It is a place where a bunch of people have their focus and the enemy is going to use things there to get them to feel like these are things that are prophetic. But they're not. Because the prophecy is dealing with the people of God who have faith in Christ and are heirs to the promise of Abraham. That's what is being dealt with now. Israel is God's true people. Babylon is the people and system opposed to God and his true people. You can't have a metaphorical Babylon against a real, literal Israel. If Babylon has moved from the physical into the spiritual and the symbolic, Israel has to have moved too at the same time. Thanks for taking this time to study with us today. We encourage you to prayerfully, prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. Let us close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the privilege of coming together on these topics. We thank you for these principles that you have embedded in your word, and we pray that you will help us, that we will see them and understand them so that we will be able to rightly divide your words of truth and be able to see clearly those uh, instructions that you have for us, those warnings, those counsels, that guidance. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening in. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. And if you are finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know and be sure to share them with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.